Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Hello and welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner, Parent Coach, and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer. Super excited to be here with another interview for you with a friend of mine from back in our college days. As we're getting started this morning, I often like to share a proverb. And so we'll go ahead and kick off with that. And the proverb is going to be from the country where my friend Fanta comes from, Ivory Coast. And the proverb goes, mutual gifts cement friendship. Mutual gifts cement friendship. And of course, this is true when we have friends and family and we give physical gifts. That brings people together. But I also see this reminding me of the gifts of ourselves, the gift of our talents, our kindness, our generosity, our hospitality. And if we one to another can mutually share these gifts back and forth with other people. So much of the division, I think, that we experience and so much of the challenges that we face can be bridged and overcome. And so I really celebrate that idea day to day in uh, what I can bring to others and what others you know, are bringing to me and bringing the best of that together to cement our relationship and our journey. And Fanta today has an incredible journey. So excited to dive into it. From the time that we met, we got to know each other through uh, an association called the African Student Association, SASA for short. And I remember that her being from Ivory Coast, the neighboring country to Ghana, felt an immediate affinity to her in that regard. And, you know, some of the conversations that we would have in that, uh, that group were some of among the first where I really started thinking very big picture about uh, what it means to be from Africa, what it means to be a part of the African diaspora. And really, you know, all of us as, as humans can trace our, our history and our past back to Africa as the, the seat of human civilization, the birthplace. And so as we would talk and have very heated discussions with everybody, you know, even beyond, you know, politics and, uh, you know, economy, I really took away from that the inspiration that, you know, whether we are in Africa, the homeland, or we, as we've all spread in the diaspora to all corners of the world, you know, what can we do and what can we bring from, you know, again, the best of ourselves to make this world uh, a bigger and better place as a global village? Because really, we all are united in that way. So to tell you a little bit more about Fanta, Fanta is a senior program officer for climate and energy at an environmental foundation. They advance solutions to ensure a safe and stable climate. Prior to that, Fanta worked as a chief program officer at an international NGO, non-governmental organization, focused on clean transportation. 
Fanta oversaw the global organization's research programs informing transportation policies that mitigate climate change and benefit public health. Throughout her career, Fanta has worked at the intersection of science, technology, and policy in the service of environmental protection and public health. Fanta holds a Master's of Science in Energy and Resources from the University of California, Berkeley, and a Bachelor's of Science in Civil and Environmental Engineering from Stanford University. In her free time, Fanta enjoys exploring the Bay Area's culinary diversity with her family. So glad to have you here this morning. <laughs> How are you? Thank you so much. I'm honored to be a guest on this podcast and to really looking forward to this conversation. It's so wonderful to have a space to talk about the fullness of our lives as moms changing the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this community you know, is growing. And now that we've been here for a year, I can hardly believe that we've had so many different people come and share from so many different perspectives. And what I've, you know, appreciated about you and, and just kind of reconnecting over Facebook and just hearing, you know, bit, little bits and pieces about your journey along the way is how, you know, you found a way to connect and bridge, right? Your interests and your past and, you know, growing up in Ivory Coast and then even living here in the Bay Area, you found ways with your family, as you, with young children and, and beyond to, to be able to impact the world in a, a great way around climate, energy, and the environment. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? We already read some of the details, but I'm curious, you know, how you kind of, that, a little bit about your journey from Ivory Coast mm-hmm. to here and what your life is like these days. Yes, it's quite a journey reflecting back. <laughs> uh, so as you, as you mentioned, I was raised in the Ivory Coast, Côte d'Ivoire. And from a really early age, was really motivated yeah. to find a way in which I could use my skills, my interests into having an impact on the world outside of, of myself. And that came from witnessing a lot of inequities and lack of access to to resources that really stem from a number of complex factors, but felt to a a young child really unfair, you know, that I could live in a privileged community and have running water and just next door to me, families had to, you know, wake up early and go to a well to get to get the same resource. And, And and so just witnessing these things and 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 thinking about you know what skills and and talents I could bring to solving those issues uh, really motivated me. And as I was thinking about how to translate that into a career, I sort of took a very methodical approach, which is typical for my engineer brain. Kind of <laughs> went through a list of careers and and honed in on environmental engineering. I'd always had a knack for math and science and interest in understanding how things worked and a desire to want to support and guide decisions around around how we interact with our environment. And so that seemed to be a sweet spot for me. I was really privileged to be able to come and study in the U.S. and, you know, and and that really kind of was a launching pad those years at Stanford and then my further education at Berkeley to be able to not only train to understand sort of how to act at that intersection between 
science and technology and policy, but how to navigate, you know, policy venues at a local, national, and global stage to to really bring the stories and the needs of of, of folks that that don't have access to these forums. So I'm here today, still living in the Bay Area, but working internationally. And I'm grateful every day that I have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. And you have children you know, that are school age now. Tell us a little bit about your family life these days. Absolutely. So I have two wonderful kids, one who's 13 and a daughter who is 10 years old. They have just started back in-person school about a month ago, which is a new phase. Yeah. Um, I also am very lucky to have a wonderful partner, my husband of, let's say, 20, almost 20 years. Wow. <laughs> You're a veteran. <laughs> um, and together, you know, we've nurtured our, our little family and, you know, the, the time in the pandemic has definitely taken those bonds to another level. Oh, well, absolutely. Absolutely. When you are in the home with, you know, your family 24-7, it does, you know, it's an opportunity, right, to deepen those connections and to really get to know each other, like, as you said, in a whole new way. Good, good. So then, you know, in your bio, you mentioned enjoying food and diversity in the Bay. Why don't we start there? So I like to start practical as far as, you know, how you cook and feed your family. So what are some of your go-tos? So we have actually come up with a strategy to make sure that we have home-cooked meals most of the days, but, you know, take into account our, our time. We Both my husband and I have very demanding careers. And so we actually alternate cooking for the week and most of Sunday making at least three to four meals that we would reheat through the um, week through the week and mm. um, and enjoy meal times are really a pillar of our family we make sure to have dinner all together around the table and share our days and enjoy our food and the food we cook is really a reflection of the diversity of the cultures in this household as you know i grew up in uh, the ivy coast so i try to bring dishes that I grew up with uh, to the extent that I'm able to reproduce them without, right. you know, fresh produce and some of the secret ingredients <laughs> that, right. are, right. that are lacking. Um, right. And right. Um, my husband is of Mexican descent. And so a lot of his, his food reflects his, his culture. And we also, you know, live in California. We, we have the bounty of all the produce and fresh fresh um, produce seasonally. And so we also try to incorporate a lot of sort of more Californian twists on, on our cuisine. I would say a really dish that I, I like to share with my family is peanut, well, we call it sauce or peanut stew. Yeah. Uh, and um, that's a favorite here. And it can be made with chicken or with tofu or, you know, with as many or as little vegetables, it's very flexible depending on how much time you have. And, and mm. that's a go-to for me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love that, you know, the, the peanut kind of tra- uh, you know, travels and is so diverse, right? You know, we do more of a soup, uh, peanut butter soup in, in Ghana. But yes, I've had some stew and I've seen some stew recipes. You'll have to 
share yours with me to see, uh, you know, how, how similar yeah. it is to what I've tried to make before, but that, that sounds really delicious. And then you probably have it with a uh, rice or, um, that's right. Um, sometimes you boil plantains, um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. plantains are a nice way to, to kind of bring in a different type of starch, um, right, uh, right. and flavor. Right. Um, Sometimes I've started experimenting with different grains. And so fonio, which is a traditional West African grain, which is now available Mm. in in markets, um, is a nice kind of twist on on couscous. It's a little bit more flavorful. Right. Um, And so, yeah, trying to kind of find easy ways to change textures and flavors without adding too much (laughs) much work work to the whole endeavor. Yes, yes. (laughs) We ordered some Fornio as well and it just came to the house and yeah, we try to mix it in here and there. So yeah, there's so much diversity out there and food, like you mentioned, is a beautiful way of sharing culture and heritage and tradition. And we talk a lot here about that family meal, that family meal time, sitting around the table together after we've all been in our various you know, corners of you know, the, the city with school and work. And that reflection, you know, connection time. And some of us grew up with it and kind of take it for granted. But, you know, even adding things like uh, in our life this year, we've added soccer. And so that's main, meant that after school hours and evening hours have shifted. And so we have to work even harder to get that family time in around the table. Yeah. How, how have you made kept that a priority for your family? Um, We've kept that a priority by making, you know, the effort to carve out the time, um, not only for having the meals, but preparing for the meals. So, you know, that means a trade-off with other activities, but we've found it to be one of the ways to consistently be engaged with all our respective members of the family. We also navigate the soccer and extracurricular activities um, and things have picked up a lot as things um, sort of reopen more. Yeah. And, and so, you know, my kids are a little bit older and so they, the hangry factor is less of an issue. (laughs) 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 It was when they were younger um, for sure. Um, So, so we, you know, we, we have some flexibility about, about when mealtime is, but it is something that, is the last thing that we compromise in terms of making making our schedules work. So for it, I love that. I love that. And then, do you get them involved in some of the cooking and preparing as well? Now that they're older, yeah, as much as possible. I I think their their interest wanes and ebbs and, and flows. <laughs> um, they the whole, our whole family is very food oriented. Our favorite shows are food related. Our, <laughs> You know, we read cookbooks for entertainment. Um, this is not just me. It's my, you know, my whole family, um, okay. my, my siblings, my my parents, and going back <laughs> even to my grandparents. So um, this is a yeah. part of our culture. So they're, they're awesome. interested and they're engaged. The, the actual hands-on help really depends. <laughs> yeah, day to day, week to week. Day to day. But they certainly, <laughs> certainly set the table, clean up, you know, load the dishwasher, do all yeah. the, the sort of tasks around mealtimes. Um, that's great. That's, that's, that's part of their expectation. Expectation, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then do you uh, go out and, you know, enjoy some of the, the restaurants, especially when things are safer? Yeah, that was a big part of of sort of our Friday nights um, <laughs> was to to be able to enjoy some um, time outside in our neighborhood. There, um, mm-hmm. we're lucky to, to live in a neighborhood with a few 
uh, actually neighborhood owned restaurants. So it's almost like going to eat in the dining room of your friends um, yeah. to go out to our local restaurants. That's um, great. I've not been eating out as much during this time, time of the pandemic. We've been ordering in a little bit more and, but, you know, tr- try to find opportunities to eat outdoors and to picnics and, and other ways in which to, to sort of change it up for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. So then, you know, when you think about motherhood, what, uh, you know, is motherhood what you expected? <laughs> I had any strong expectations about motherhood yeah. you know although I always kind of assumed I would have a family I was not the type of little girl that played with dolls and you know pretended to be a mommy <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very family oriented and sort of like this idea of a clan and the, that unit but I, I had not really contemplated what it meant to 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 be a mother and so you know when when I was lucky enough to have my 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 son I, I sort of you know had to kind of start going with the flow a lot more than was in my nature <laughs> you know become you know grow and 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 learn new skills in ways that I didn't expect and I think personally that journey of motherhood has been the most rewarding fulfilling and challenging journeys that I've been mm-hmm. on in ways that that are, are still surprising. Your kids change and their needs evolve as they grow. And, right. and I think that the, the relationship evolves and, and you as a parent get to stretch and grow with it as well. Um, yeah. You know, from caretaking to being much more of a support of their growth out there in the world. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, I quickly reset my, you know, it's expectations. <laughs> this is going to be a journey that I have a lot less control of than, than <laughs> things, you know, than my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and once I accepted that, I think things things went a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you bring up uh, an important point about parenting and motherhood, where there a lot is not within our control or is not within our, even our expectation, right? It is such a, a challenging, as you mentioned, journey that we can find ourselves butting up against, you know, our, our own, you know, our own ways of doing things and our own agenda. And I quickly learned as well that the little ones did not care about my agenda. <laughs> like they were not even aware of it much less trying to, you know, join me in, in doing that. And so I love how you've embraced, you know, the kind of the realities of it. And, and we as parents are constantly kind of navigating that, you know, um, embracing what is in the present moment, in the present season, and accepting it, and then working with it so that it's less of a battle and less of a struggle and more of a joy. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's great. And, you know, when you, you, know, you mentioned that your family is pretty diverse. And so, you know, with all that's been going on in our world in, in recent months and, and years, I'm curious, you know, how you talk to your children, having, you know, such a diverse background, you know, mm-hmm. roots in Ivory Coast and, you know, Mexican-American. Yeah. So how did you, how do you, you know, talk and nurture their identity and build empathy as they grow? That is definitely something that has been 
a core part of our parenting since the beginning. I think at the beginning, we just wanted to give them a sense of themselves and their value in connection to, to their culture. And so not only exposing them to their culture through food, but actually spending time in those places. So I've been lucky to be able to, uh, you know, go back to the Ivory Coast with my kids at least a couple of times and spend some good amount of time for, with them there. And um, similarly, they've spent time in Mexico and then our extended family is all local. And so they're very present in their lives. So their Ivorian roots, their Mexican roots and their American roots are all, you know, front and center as, as they develop their sense of identity. I think because they are children of color, and we live where we live, um, they have had questions very early on about race and about the implications of race in terms of how they move in society. They've always been very observant and, and we've been very open about what it means to be a person of color navigating the world, obviously in a child appropriate way. So at each age, the conversation kind of changes in tone. And, and with the events of the last couple of years, you know, those conversations have been a lot more frequent and we've aimed as parents to be able to engage with us and, and share our perspective and also listen to their perspective and their experiences, provide support as they navigate issues at school or you know, take in what's happening in the world and and really want them to have a perspective that's grounded in history. Um, mm-hmm. So expose them to, you know, leaders of civil rights movements and, and information mm-hmm. because some of the, the challenge of raising children in turbulent times is that that's, that's the image that sticks to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may not be seeing a pathway forward or what 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 progress has been made and 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 mm-hmm. sort of and where their place is mm-hmm. in in further progress. So we want them to feel em- empowered to to be actors of change. We want but yeah. we also don't want them to feel a responsibility that's beyond their age or you know, desire to to be engaged on these issues. So just navigating that balance between those two things has been also an interesting journey as parents. And I, th- I think it's also something that we, as people of color, have also, you know, asking ourselves, you know, where, what are the things that we are doing to help this society in the ways healing and yeah. and improving. Yeah. Yeah. And so then are you doing that through books, movies, field trips? Yes, all the above. And we've mm-hmm. we've definitely taken them to protests as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. that they can see activism firsthand. Yeah. Um when when we share, you know, kind of and we try to share videos or information about children taking action as well, because mm. I think it's also helpful them for them to see sort of youth represented yes. um, and to be inspired and, and sort of activated by that. And so, you know, yeah. throughout, you know, my daughter sort of has written 
letters to elected officials and sort yeah. of wanted to kind of share our thoughts yeah. on things. And we've, you know, facilitated that. That's um, awesome. Uh, and the schools have also been very supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they've created opportunities for, for the students to lobby their elected officials and sort yeah. of have that, that, that empowerment and voice. And so yeah. that's also been great to be in a community where, where that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like, you know, you're bringing up so many different opportunities that we don't necessarily picture children in as far as protests and, you know, lobbying. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's a, it's a new world where in in many ways, what we may have been sheltered from as children is now kind of front center news, right? And it's happening outside our doors. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, we are invited to, mm-hmm. you know, to include our children as we are also being a part of that. And they see us advocating and they see others. I like that idea to share other children, you know, advocating or making a difference in, in various ways. So that's, that's wonderful. And you wrote an article that you shared with me, and I like how it it ties into what we're talking about today. So I'll take a second to read it. So you write, I grew up in Abidjan, a coastal city in West Africa, which is threatened by sea level rise and has limited means to prepare and adapt. I spent time this past summer with my children visiting fishing towns along the coast of Cote d'Ivoire so that we could share memories of beautiful places that are the backdrop of my childhood and where the current way of life may disappear before they grow up. I now live in California, where wildfires are increasingly frequent, intense, and devastating. These factors of climate change that have seemed decades away are realities for our families and communities today. This, yeah, I can, you know, picture you on the beach with your children, you know, sharing the the life that you, you know, have with them. And yet there are so many things changing, especially when it comes to the climate. It's a hot button topic right now, especially as you mentioned with the fires, with the COVID health pandemic in and of itself. So I'm curious, you maybe define for us a little bit about what you know what you think of as climate change, and then how you talk to your children about it, especially you know as things are constantly evolving and changing. So climate change is happening. It's happening now, and it's happening because our societies have over the course of last few decades emitted greenhouse gases that have formed the planet and the earth the planet is a very complex system um, yeah. and changes in 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 average temperature changes in the planet have triggered a number of of responses and I think, we are living with a warmer planet than we had decades ago, and we are seeing the consequences of that every day mm-hmm. through increased frequency and intensity of a number of climate features and of, of weather events. And, and those are real. I think a lot of times when we talk about climate change, we we talk about it in terms of in using very scientific terms. You know, I just said greenhouse gases. I just said complex systems. But I think for everybody, 
it's really about livelihoods. It's about safety. And it's about being able to ensure safety and livelihoods into the future. So, in, you know, in simple terms, it sounds like, you know, weather is one of the ways that we are seeing climate, you know, climate change and environmental impacts most clearly. Yes. So when we talk about climate change, oftentimes we use very scientific language about emissions and the average temperature of the earth and how it's impacting a very complex system um, of, of natural processes. But how I like to think about it is the impacts on everyday people and mm-hmm. their livelihoods, their safety, mm-hmm. their ability to provide for their families mm-hmm. um, and their ability to ensure um, that future for their children. And, yeah. and so we are seeing headlines about increased intensity and frequency of very destructive weather events. We're also seeing, you know, changes in agriculture, you know, what can be planted and what can be harvested, changes in our food systems. I think the repercussions are far ranging. I think, but the good news is that there are solutions Mm -hmm. um, and there are cost-effective, well-known ways in which we can fit that trend. And and a lot of the work that I do is to make sure that the conversation is centered around solutions and centered around solutions that benefit the most vulnerable communities, the ones that often have the least to do with causing the issue, but are unfortunately most impacted. Right, right. So then, you know, in terms of thinking about where conversations can come up, you know, in our families and with our children, even with friends, you know, when we have a a weather event, we can talk to our children about how that's changing or how that's different. For example, with the fires, you know, here in California, you know, we were just the other day talking to our kids about how it wasn't like this when we were growing, when I was growing up in California, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And to see this pattern, like you mentioned, the frequency of, you know, these, these devastating fires is a direct result of, sounds like, you know, pollution and things that are, are, are damaging our planet. Am I on the right track? Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we definitely are on the right track. Yes. And I think talking to our children about climate change can cause a lot of anxiety about their sure. future. Sure. And and I, that's why I think it's really important to center the conversation around solutions and yeah. what you can do. Yeah. Um, I think there are things that you can do as an individual in your life, as a family, um, mm-hmm. but there are also things that you can do as a person participating in the political system, mm-hmm. um, as a consumer, as with respect to, you know, how you spend your money, there's a variety of ways in which mm-hmm. folks can can engage with with solving climate change. And some of them are, you know, are things that kids can can engage with and yeah. in, term, in terms of how they live their lives and thinking about 
sustainability and and thinking about the the world they live in. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say a place to start, from my perspective, is just yeah. connecting with your natural environment. Yeah. Just bringing that awareness of the outdoors, not the iconic, you know, Yosemite necessarily, but just you know your local park or walking down the street and seeing trees and 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 noticing nature that that surrounds you building an awareness of the interconnection of your lives with the natural environment is a really good place to start with children that's great that's great that's a great kind of like first tip where to begin connecting to nature and children are often the ones who are most excited about getting outside getting into you know the parks like you mentioned touching you know smelling like really using all their senses to engage with it and so they often will lead us in 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 that exploration especially if we provide the opportunities and are open to that are there you know two or three other tips as far as how to help children you know think about solutions and be solution oriented yeah for the future yeah, there are other ways in which you can you can engage children. I think energy use within a household is something that children can be very helpful in turning off lights. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, making sure you know making sure you're using electricity and, and and water and other resources you know in the most efficient way. Children are really good at at being engaged um, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, you know, also thinking about, you know, environmental issues that are happening in your community. And there's often opportunities to volunteer and clean, clean up beaches or parks, mm-hmm. um, plant trees. So just being active and sort of supporting, those are all really easy things um, mm-hmm. that kids can, can do and get a lot from. Um, and the yeah. benefits of being outdoors are tremendous. Um, really there's are. a lot of learning opportunity and, and sort of brain development that happens when kids are outdoors and experience the world in those ways. And so yeah. anytime that that can happen, I would do that. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, you, you bring up in the development, which is, you know, an area close to my heart and brain development. And I mean, even just, you know, the oxygen, you know, and the, that we breathe the fresh air outside, like you mentioned, you know, really there's so many ways we can be teaching and exploring and navigating, you know, our, our outdoor space. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that my husband likes to garden and, you know, plant some of our food and we have tree, fruit trees. And so we, you know, I, I often invite the children to, you know, to go and to help and to be a part of that. And, you mentioned, you know, taking advantage of the produce in, you know, the farmers markets or the seasonal parts of the the grocery store, so that you're we're eating from the bounty, you know, that that is all all around us. Yes, gardening is also something that I do as well. It's one of my happy places, and yeah. so you know, every year, a couple times a year, try to plant some vegetables that that we will then use in our cooking throughout the year. And it is definitely a good activity to have kids involved, you know, even starting from a seed and sort of having them observe as as the 
Seed it germinates grow. and, and grows and can be planted in a pot and then outside and all of that. That is, is a really fun activity to do to do with kids. Yeah, getting right there hands on. And then one thing I remember from growing up, it was in recycling. And my dad also worked in environmental you know, policies. And so it, I just remember that in you know, growing up in California as well. And at a time when it was like very, I think, you know, they were implementing the different ways that you could recycle just, you know, at, at your curbside and they were implementing, you know, compost and those kinds of things now that we have, you know, um, in our community today. So I remember that recycling was a big way that we could do our part as individuals within our home to make sure that we were reducing our waste and reusing and, you know, repurposing what could be done that way. And with my children, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of an extra effort, right? It's so easy just to dump everything in the garbage bin. But by taking that one step, we are able to really help keep our, our home and our community and our world a little bit cleaner for their future. Absolutely. And I think there's also a lot more options now of sort of zero waste solutions yeah. um, that are available that weren't necessarily, you know, five, 10 years ago and thinking mm-hmm. of ways of having more reusable containers or buying things in bulk and, mm-hmm. and reducing waste that way so that even the amount that you recycle goes down over time because there's so much more that you're reusing. That's definitely something with respect to plastic, that right. that's really helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> to do. Um, mm-hmm. That can be done at an individual level because, you know, unfortunately, plastic is in many ways a byproduct of of oil and gas, and and so really linked to to some of the really linked to to the pollution that we're experiencing today. So reducing your use of plastic is definitely a good a good thing in recycling as well. Awesome. Awesome. So many different ways from pointing out the nature all around us to gardening in it and spending our dollars where we can to buy the the produce, the fresh items, the reusable, you know, containers and options and, and yeah, managing the energy in our home. So many, you know, opportunities really to make that connection for ourselves and our children that will stay with them. I know they stayed with me, you know, growing up, you know, building it as a habit and now, you know, passing that on you know, to my children. So thank you for that. Yeah, I see you as a mom changing the world, using your voice as a leader in climate policies and implementation strategies. And I'm curious, you know, how you are juggling and balancing that with, you know, raising your children and, you know, being a part of, you know, your, your family. Can you, you know, tell us a little bit about how you create balance and joy? In all of that? <laughs> well, lucky in a couple ways. First of all, I get a lot of joy of, you know, doing what I do. But yes. I think more important, more important than anything, I have a fantastic partner that's extremely supportive. And I think mm-hmm. working as a team to make sure that we're able to, you know, collaboratively balance the things that we do for work, the things we do to bond with our family and support our family and the things that we do for our personal fulfillment has been really important. And it's not always easy, but I think having that base of support is, is so, is just essential for, for it even working. Right. Um, 
I'm a person that tends to overcommit. Um, just interested <laughs> in a lot of things, and oh yeah, I don't know um, anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I end up on multiple boards. I end up, you know, signing up for who knows what uh, right, at the right. school. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, anyways. I, I end up kind of split and splitting my time in in many ways, and and having a partner that's there to sort of remind you um, about the benefits of prioritizing, about mm-hmm. making sure that I'm also taking time for myself, um, exactly. and 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 also enables me to do that mm-hmm. um, in very practical ways. Like, mm-hmm. let me take the kids out on a walk, so you have an hour to meditate or rest or do whatever you want mm-hmm. that 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 is really important um so i'm lucky mm-hmm. um to have that because maybe i don't have that self discipline as well ingrained <laughs> as i should i hear you i hear you and yes i i too have that that partner in life and you know it, it like you said it's a such a such a you know an effort and such a community you know to raise children right it takes a village and yeah, kudos to to those who you know are single parents or who are navigating without a partner. It is uh, quite a blessing to to have somebody that you can communicate well with and and balance you know the different priorities and responsibilities and share in that effort, so that it uh, we you know we all can go much farther than if we were to try to do it alone. And I have to mention that I'm also really fortunate to have my parents very close by, and so. Yeah. Um, they're very involved in 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 supporting our family and 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 um, helping. They both work, so it's not you know. <laughs> but but they they have been you know so important in making sure, especially when the kids were super young, to making sure that we're able to to balance all our commitments and stepping in you know for pickup that might have been missed or for you know hanging out with a child that can't go to daycare and, you know, just all the ways in which, you know, that network and that support enables you to, to be able to do all that. And, you know, my wish is that that is something that our country society could provide more of that there be, you know, more affordable daycare options, more safety net for for parents that are not in the fortunate circumstances that I'm in with, Mm -hmm. you know, support nearby um, Mm -hmm. in those ways. Yeah, yeah. I think communal societies, you know, like the ones we, you know, grew up in do have that way of interlacing and interworking and it's valued and, and expected and prioritized in ways that are different than the kind of in more individualized, individualistic society that we find, you know, here in, in America. And so it's a, a constant reminder, you know, in this platform that we need each other and we have to not be afraid to reach out, ask for the support and help that we need from family and friends all around us. So mom groups are amazing places as well where, you know, I think, you know, I've gone, gotten so close to many moms over the years where we're able to help each other, even now with pandemic, you know, related issues or health things that come up. So um, it, it's worth any effort to nurture your, your tribe, right? Nurture your village and to, you know, reciprocate and, and be a part of that ebb and flow of raising each other's children in, in the world that we want to, to raise them in. Great. So as we're yeah, starting to wind down, you mentioned self-care. 
And that's one of the things that you know, we, we prioritize and talk about here as well. And so what are some of the things that you do for self-care? <laughs> so what I try to do um, <laughs> is try to get some exercise a few times a week, especially during this time period where we're mostly at home. I think that's been important um, for yeah. me to kind of keep my energy. So I do an online exercise class and then try to run a little bit. That's an important part. I've picked up meditation and has been, have been, you know, it's sort of the opposite of how my brain is wired. And so that's mm-hmm. why it's been very interesting and, and I think a, a really fun challenge for for me to learn how to meditate and I'm still learning and trying yes, to get yes, there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we're all um, on that journey. Yeah. And then the other things I've mentioned, like gardening or even cooking, you know, I know yeah. it's part of our family, you know, how we take care of our family, but it was also something that I that I like doing. I like baking. And so yeah, yeah my self-care activities tend to be very active. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But you know, they, they sort of take my brain and in different places and, and kind of allow, allow me to do things that I enjoy to do. Well, I also read and connect with friends and, you know, some take walks, do, do, do other things like that uh, as well. And just try to make sure that in a given week, I've done a couple of things that help me center myself and, and our time for me. Yeah, oftentimes, you know, when I hear self-care, you know, I'm thinking about the spa or something <laughs> like that, which has not been, so, you know, if possible. And it's never been like a big part of my self-care routine. Sure, so sure. I had to sort of like redefine self-care for myself and see, oh, yeah. what are the things that give me energy, balance, and, and kind of notice that I'm doing more than I thought I was doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. The, you know, the spas are nice and all of those um, special times, manicures, pedicures, those are, those are all nice. But as you mentioned, you know, sometimes just sitting quietly, you know, and meditating for a few minutes is so refreshing and getting that exercise in, you know, Mm -hmm. caring for our bodies. Uh, helping you know with meals that care for our, our children and our families' bodies as well. Like all of those things are renewing for us, especially if you love to cook and bake. Yeah. Uh, one one more thing. I have taken up napping. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> best. Because I, as a child, I refused to. Uh, <laughs> and I grew up in a place where napping was like ingrained in the daily life. Like you, you, got off work like around noon and you didn't start again around two until two thirty because the assumption mm-hmm. is you go home, you eat, you take a nap and you come back to work. So as a kid, wow. just never saw the benefits of napping. And then having children, you know, <laughs> they tell you, you know, nap when your children do. And so mm-hmm. all my kids have outgrown their naps, but I have right. you have not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's the sleep and the nap is kind of the, the lost art of self-care, yeah. right? <laughs> that we, you know, we underestimate the power of a good, you know, good shut-eye time, right? Where that's we can right. get some rest. So that's mm-hmm. good for you for prioritizing that. And I do think that we should, you know, kind of institute the siesta kind of mentality mm-hmm. here <laughs> way mm-hmm. more, getting that bigger afternoon break so we can make sure that we're getting a little bit of, of rest in there before we push through for the rest of the day. Good, good. So as you know, we're, we're wrapping down, 
you know, are there any final words, you know, things that you would say to your younger self or things that you've learned about yourself as a mom? (laughs) I would highlight the importance of building community and building resilience, not only in myself, but in how I live my life. Um, and, And those are things that I think I've learned in the flow, but that I think, um, you know, with more intention, I think would have brought into my life sooner. And so Mm -hmm. those are, those are, you know, thinking about your community, your network, your, the people that are supporting you and that you are supporting and also building resilience, including self-care in, into your life is really important because this is a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) right not a sprint not a sprint and you know it, you know you the way you're talking about it reminds me of our theme you know of renewal that you know we often have to kind of renew that commitment to community renew that commitment to self-care renew that commitment to making an impact because it's it's easy for it to fall to the wayside unless and until we we purpose to uh, to take those steps make that stance and uh, and push for that that, that better worlds that we all want to see for ourselves and our children. And I'll take it back to the, the proverb that you started with, this idea of sharing uh, our talents and receiving from others their talents as well, or their love, their, their time, all of that. I think those are, those are the bonds that make a community. Those are the bonds that gives that community resilience to, you know, to deal with the challenges of parenting in a turbulent time, to to deal with, you know, what life throws at you. And so, you know, I think that's a, a good way uh, of, of thinking about it as well. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for t- circling it back around to that because you're absolutely right. Good. Thanks again for joining us and um, excited to, to stay in touch and uh, continue to hear and see ways that we all can sharing for a better climate, a better environment, a better world. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was great chatting. Thanks for listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the Moms We Interview and find out how to work with Akua as a parenting coach. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to... Subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.